In our last message, the nation of Midian had invaded, had imprisoned, and impoverished a great many of God's people in the nation of Israel. They stripped their land, they destroyed their homes and villages, and they endangered the very lives of their families. But in the middle of all that hopelessness, God's people realized what their main problem was. They finally realized what their main problem was, and that was they had counted God out. They counted God out. How guilty are we of looking at our circumstances, looking at our troubles, looking at our tragedies, and counting God out? Today we're going to meet a remarkable man that God chose to deliver his people from the hands of those who would seek to wipe out the people of God. Friend, do you know that there are a lot of people, even in our nation, who would just love to see the people of God wiped out? This fellow's name was Gideon. Now, on one hand, Gideon was a man who led a handful of warriors against a far larger army and won the victory. But on the other hand, Gideon was filled with worries, he was filled with doubts, and he was filled with fears. Gideon was a man who often questioned God's plan. But ultimately, he accomplished God's will. So as we begin to study Gideon's leadership, maybe we are going to see a little bit of ourselves in this Gideon who God brought from zero to hero. Amen. We're going to begin by examining the circumstances that Gideon found himself in. In Judges chapter 6, I believe that's page 222 in the Bibles in front of you, I'm going to begin just reading one verse in verse 11 where the Bible says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiziorite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress. Did y'all hear that? Threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. This verse reveals to us a lot of different things. This verse reveals to us, first of all, that Israel was experiencing poverty like you and I have never seen before. As Israel was being severely deprived during these dark, desperate days, the fact that that Gideon is grinding wheat in this wine press indicates that very, very little wheat he had. Why did he have such little wheat? Because it was a severe time of poverty in the nation of Israel. But this verse also shows us that Israel was experiencing a time of persecution. Instead of using the threshing floor to grind the wheat, Gideon was using a wine press. Why? 
so he could hide that little bit of wheat that he had. You see, if the Midians caught wind that Gideon had a little bit of wheat, he knew that they would come and take it. Why? Because it was time, a time of persecution. But this verse also tells us that Israel was experiencing a time of powerlessness. It appears to me that Gideon is just as defeated, that Gideon is just as frightened as the rest of the nation of Israel. God's people were feeble, they were faithless, and they were faint-hearted. You know, I think like Israel, you and I are also living in very difficult times. You and I are living in days when economic uncertainty has many of us fearing that we might lose everything that we worked so hard for. We're living in days when the government and society in general are growing increasingly hostile toward the things of God, the values we have, and also the morality that we live by. But we're also living in days where there seems to be little spiritual power among the people of God. In many ways, we're living in times that seem just as poverty-stricken, just as persecuted, and just as powerless as the circumstances that Gideon and Israel were facing. And so in response to these circumstances, God gives his charge to Gideon. Take a look at verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Gideon, and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. See, Gideon might have been hiding from him the enemy, but God knew exactly where Gideon was. Make no mistake, friend, this angel of the Lord, this is God. This is God that's giving Gideon these words of hope and assurance. God began by making a promise to Gideon. The angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and says, The Lord is with you. So what we have here is what is called a theophany. A theophany. A theophany is an appearance of God in a visible form to man. So this angel of the Lord is God of revealing himself in a theophany to Gideon. You see, even when Gideon was unaware of it, God was with him. Even when Gideon was unaware of it, God was watching him. Even when Gideon was unaware of it, God was planning for his future. Now that's a truth that we should all find great comfort in. Amen? That God is always with us, he's always watching us, and he's always planning for our future. Friend, we too have the same promise that Gideon had. That our, the Lord our God will never leave us and never forsake us. But do you know what? We have a better promise. Because in John 14, 17, Jesus gave us this promise that the spirit of truth will be with you and he will be in you. Now that's a greater promise, amen? He can't get no closer than being in you. What a blessing that is. Friend, listen, in every situation, in every heartache, in every 
valley, across every mountain, the Lord your God is with you. You need to be comforted by that this morning. Now, Gideon couldn't see it. Gideon couldn't sense it. Gideon certainly didn't act like it. But he was about to be used by the Lord his God in a powerful, powerful way. If we, God's people, if we could ever grasp for a second the promise that we are indwelled by the very Spirit of God, if we could ever grasp for a second the fact that we are indwelled by the very power of God himself, there is no telling what we might do in the name of Jesus. So God made this promise to Gideon, but then God also perceived Gideon's future. The Lord says something that's really kind of amazing here. Here's Gideon. He's so afraid of the enemy that he's hiding out behind a wine press. And as he's hiding behind this wine press, God calls to him and says, Hey there, mighty man of valor. And Gideon looks behind him and says, Huh? Who, me? I'm hiding from the enemy and you're calling me a mighty man of valor? So here's what the Lord saw. The Lord saw what Gideon would be once he got done with him. Did you know that the Lord knows you? Did you know that the Lord knows you better than you know yourself? We often look at ourselves, and you know what we see? Mistakes, failures, and problems. We often look at ourselves, and we see a person who consistently fails to lift up, live up to that high standard of God. We look at ourselves, and we see a person who loses far more than he wins. We look at ourselves and we see a person who from all appearances seems to always come up short. That's me. But what does God see? What does God see when he looks at you? What does God see when he looks at me? Well, when the Lord looked at timid Gideon, you know what he saw? He saw a mighty man of valor. He saw a mighty warrior in Gideon. You see, the Bible teaches that the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but what does God look at? God looks at the heart. Amen. God knows what you will be once he gets done with you. And he's doing a mighty work. For he's with you, he's watching you, and he's planning for your future. The best thing you can ever do, the best thing you can ever do is take your life with all of its problems, take your life with all of its failures, take your life with all of its shortcomings, and place all that right in the hand of God. And let him do with it what he will. He alone can transform you into something powerful and amazing for his glory. So, despite the poverty-stricken, persecuted, and powerless circumstances that Gideon finds himself in, God charges timid Gideon to lead the people of God. Now, Gideon can't help it. He can't help it. He's confused. Amen. Look in verse 13. Amen, sister. 
Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And so he said to him, So Gideon said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. See, when Gideon hears God, he's more than amazed by what he hears. He says, how can the Lord possibly be talking to the likes of me? And so Gideon reacts by questioning the word of God. Gideon questions the very presence of God. He says, okay, if the Lord is with us, then why is all this happening to us? You ever said that before? Okay, God, if you're with me, then why am I enduring all this? Right? Just like Gideon. See, Gideon wants to know Where's the proof? Where's the proof of God's presence? If God's really with them, then why are they experiencing more defeat than they are victory? Gideon also questions God's performance. He also says, and by the way, where are all these miracles that our father told us about? Where are all these miracles that our forefathers told us about you? I mean, it's been 250 years since you have delivered Israel out of the hands of Egypt. It's been 200 years plus since you stopped up the Jordan River and allowed the nation of Israel to cross into the promised land. Gideon saying, where is the God who performed all these miracles? Or in other words, what have you done for me lately? You may not have said it, but you've thought it. What have you done for me lately, God? Well, then Gideon also questions God's perception. Gideon responds, or God responds to Gideon's question saying, Hey, I'm the one who sent you here. I'm the one who sent you, and you will indeed defeat every enemy of God's people. To that, Gideon begins to question the very omniscience of God. I mean, are you all-knowing or not? Can't you see what I'm going through here? Are you really all-knowing? Because what you're proposing here, God, can't be right. I can't be the deliverer. I can't be the leader of your people because... And here he goes. I'm the weakest man in the weakest clan of the weak tribe of Manasseh. He's given all these excuses why he can't do what God sent him to do. I think a lot of us are a lot like Gideon. We know that the Lord wants us to serve him. We know that God wants to use us for his glory, but we're so filled with fear. 
We're so filled with our own sense of incompetence that we refuse to trust God. Have you ever been there, friend? You're looking at one who has. We begin to focus on what we think we are and not on who God is. Friend, listen. Without the Lord, we are weak. Without the Lord, we are frail, fragile failures. But with Him, we are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. I think we need to relearn something. As God's people, we need to relearn to be God conscious. In everything you go through, in all the challenges of life, you need to be more God conscious. Is God with you or ain't he? Is God on your side or ain't he? Is God planning your future or ain't he? I like ain't he, amen. We need to learn to be God conscious. I mean, if you and I can come to the place where we understand that he is able, even when I'm not, then I can be used mightily of God. Trusting him to do the work, not trusting in my own abilities or lack thereof. I mean, God used countless people, y'all. Countless people through the ages. Not because they were able. He used them because they were available. Available for his use. You want some evidence? Say, yeah, I want some evidence. Here we go. God used Abraham, a pagan. A pagan from Ur to be the father of the faith. God used a liar named Jacob to be the father of the nation of Israel. God used a slave named Joseph to save the world. God used a shepherd and a murderer named Moses to deliver his people out of Egypt. God used a slave girl named Esther to deliver Israel. God used a tax collector named Matthew to write a gospel account of the Savior, Son of God, Jesus. And God used a bully, a bully named Saul, to write over half of the New Testament. Friend, listen. Israel was crying out for a deliverer. So what did God do? God's answer was Gideon. You know, the one hiding behind the wine press. So listen, don't be making excuses. Don't be making excuses why you can't do what the Lord wants you to do. It's not supposed to be you anyway. It's supposed to be Him. I think there are some here today that should be preaching. Can I challenge you? Just do it. There are some here that should be teaching. Can I challenge you? Just do it. There are some here that should be singing on the praise team, Brother Hal. They should just do it, right? We all should be telling the world about Jesus. Amen? Let's just do it. 
in the circumstances of God's people, God charged Gideon to lead them out of captivity and in the process clears up some confusion. Now finally, we see that God confirmed Gideon's call. Look in verse 16 with me. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he, Gideon, said to God, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign. Any of y'all ever done that? Show me a sign, God, that it is really you that I'm talking to. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And then God said, I will wait until you come back. There in verse 16, God's telling Gideon that he's going to destroy the Midianites just as if they were a single man. In other words, God is getting ready to use Gideon in a powerful, supernatural, wonderful, amazing way. And all Gideon's got to do is be obedient. Be obedient. That's all he's got to do is just do what God told him to do. But Gideon's still not ready. He, he's scared he's going to make a mistake. He's scared that he ain't got what it takes. And he wants more proof that this is really God that he's talking to. And the next few verses tell us about the long-suffering and the patience God has with us. Because he actually gives Gideon the sign that he requests. God confirmed his call with a presentation. Look in verse 19. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot and he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did what he was told. Then the angel of the Lord put the end of his staff, which was in his hand, and he touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And get this, fire rose out of the rock and consumed the sacrifice Gideon had given. And then the angel of the Lord departed from his sight. You might remember that when God found Gideon, Gideon was hiding, grinding that little bit of wheat for a meal for his family. But here, now, he willingly sacrifices this huge meal a goat and bread and broth. Willingly sacrifices that to the Lord. When Gideon presents his offering, he's instructed, put it on the rock. And then the Lord touches that offering with the end of his staff. And fire comes out of the rock and consumes that sacrifice to nothing. Friend, by receiving that sacrifice, God is telling Gideon, like that old song says, Don't worry 
about a thing. Because every little thing going to be all right. Amen? God is reassuring him and giving him hope. God wanted Gideon to know that where God guides, God provides. Are you hearing me, church? Where God guides, he provides. So if you want to be used by God, who here wants to be used by God? Praise the Lord. We all should want to be used by God. If you will just present yourself, put yourself on the altar of sacrifice, if you will do that, he will use you. Now listen, God's not interested in your goat. He's not interested in your bread. And he's not interested in your broth. God is interested in you. He wants you to place yourself on the altar of sacrifice. He wants us to place everything we are. God wants us to yield ourselves completely and totally to his use. And as you do it, as you present all that you have, as you present all that you are, as you walk with him in obedience, God will guide you and provide for you and bring great glory to himself. He confirmed this call with a nice presentation a great miracle, a sign that Gideon asked for. But God also confirmed his call with a promise. Take a look at verse 22 and we'll be done. Now, interesting, now that fire has come up out of the rock, now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And so Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the the angel of the Lord face to face. And then the Lord said to him, Peace. Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord, and he called it, The Lord is Peace. And to this day, it still stands in Ophrah of the Abizrites. Finally, y'all, finally, Gideon recognizes just who he's dealing with here. And when he figures out who he's dealing with, he's so filled with fear that he's seen God face to face, he's afraid that the Lord's just going to strike him down. And so what does he do? He cries out to God, and God responds by speaking peace into Gideon's life. Overwhelmed. By God's great grace, Gideon builds this altar of sacrifice and he calls that altar Jehovah Shalom or the Lord is peace. Here's the point. When Gideon submitted to the Lord's will, when he finally recognized who he was dealing with here and he submitted to the Lord's will, Gideon found peace. He found peace in his life. Can I tell you that that still works today? Can I tell you that if you want some turmoil in your life, hey man, just walk a different path than what God's got for you. 
He'll send all the turmoil you can stand in them some. Amen? If you want sleepless nights and dreary days, all you got to do is just refuse to do what God told you to do. And he'll give you every sleepless night and dreary day you ever asked for. But if you want peace, if you want joy, if you want true happiness in your life, you're only going to find it by submitting your life to that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Until you do. Until you do what the Lord wants you to do, you are never going to know true peace. Until you do what the Lord wants you to do, you will never be able to experience genuine worship. So from outside, this dude Gideon don't look like much. He's fearful. He's timid. He is filled with self-doubt. He has more questions than he does answers. However, the Lord is willing to take Gideon just like he is. All the doubts, all the fears, and all the questions. He'll take him just like he is, and God will shape him and create him to be what he wants him to be. So, friend, what about you? What about you? Are you doing what the Lord wants you to be doing in your life? Is today the day where you've had it? Is today the day where you're going to throw your hands up, throw up the white flag of surrender, and trust the Lord for his perfect will for your life? Friend, do you belong to God? Are you part of God's family? Are your sins forgiven and forever covered by the precious blood of Jesus Christ? If not, I got to tell you something. There is no better day than today to get that cleared up. No better day. In this decision time, both in person and online, if you'll come to Jesus, all the fears, all the flaws, and all the failures, and just realize that he died for all that. He died for you. If God is drawing you, friend, on any level, on any level, I want to invite you just to do what Gideon finally did. Be obedient. Do what God asked you to do. Be obedient to his voice. Can you hear his voice?
just don't feed him. Will you let him do the work for his kingdom and for his glory? Will you come? Will you finally, once and for all, let the Lord have his way with you? Who would be willing to pray this morning? I was going to say why, but come on, Brother James. <laughs> James is going to come and he's going to pray that we, as God's people, would simply be obedient. That we, as God's people, would do what he's called us to do. And friend, if you're not part of the family yet, get in touch with a godly brother or sister. Call me. Let's get that ironed out. Let's get that straightened up. Let's get you as part of the family so God can do a spectacular work in you first and then through you for his glorious future. Brother James, let's pray, brother. Dear Heavenly Father, we've come before you today. We love and we praise you, Lord. Mm -hmm. We want you to take our lives and do with what you'll have us to do. We want you to Move us along. Give us the faith. Give us the hope that we need so much. We're always looking in the wrong direction, seems mm -hmm. like. But we need to be looking toward you. Mm -hmm. Just like Gideon, yes. hiding behind the wheat press. Lord, we want to pray for all the ones that's sick, mm. the ones that's lost loved ones. Pray for our leaders and soldiers and all the people in the nursing homes. We just pray that you'd put a comforting hand on them, each and every one. Pray for our family of church members. Mm. Pray for my family. All these things we ask in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.